Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vodacy Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore. And as always, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Today, I'm going to ramble a little bit and talk to you about some of the questions I've been getting and some of the things I've been seeing in the news and around the short-term rental space and kind of answer the question of whether we think the golden age of short-term rentals is over. Has it passed us by? Is the flash of the pan done and short-term rentals are no longer going to be something that we should pay attention to? And obviously, you probably guess my answer to that is absolutely not. Short-term rentals have become a mainstream asset class. Now, there's a big asterisk. I do think we are going to see a shift in the marketplace. And there's a lot of people who got into this game not knowing the entire game, right? It, the, the ease into the marketplace, into a complicated marketplace, a complicated world of hospitality. And the market has been such for the last couple of years that I do think that that's going to stop. It's, it's been this wild ride. There's been a wave of popularity, the supply and demand has been skewed like crazy. And so anybody who's gotten in has had pretty good success for the most part. Now, if you got into it and you didn't quite understand the game and you have and do own a property, I'd start understanding the game. I would start looking into a few of those things that you might have ignored and might not have paid as much attention to as you've needed to. And for those of you getting into it, now's definitely a time to pay attention to it. So what happens when the market's going up, right? Markets go up like crazy all the time. Markets are cyclical. We've had this wild ride for a while, not only on the real estate side, but also on the short-term rental side. There's two different markets. You guys have heard me talk about that before if you've listened to me for any time at all. And the short-term rental marketplace is start that supply and demand on the short-term rental side is starting to even out a little bit. And so everybody, now your fair share of business, because now that supply and demand is evening out, everybody's slice of the pie has gotten a lot smaller. So if you got into this game and just thought, hey, I'm going to buy a property and I'm going to ride this wave, well, well, you know, you were able to ride the wave, but that wave's going to start going out. So now you have a decision to make and some people are going to get out of it. There's, there's a common theme that happens when people have success. When people have success, a lot of times they look and say, yeah, I figured this out. I know what I'm doing and you know everything's going good. It's me, me, me. It's all me, right? I made great decisions. I did this, I did that, blah, 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 blah. When things go bad, what happens is people start looking for reasons why. And the last place they look is in the mirror. They The last place they look is themselves. And they say, okay, it's the war, it's the inflation, it's the administration, it's gas prices are going up. I mean, it's all these different things. And they'll say, this is why now I'm in a struggle. And that's not, that never was the case. You always have to look in the mirror. You always have to look and say, what can I do? One, do I understand the market I'm in? Do I understand the game I'm playing? And if you don't, you probably ought to understand it. Um, I'm going to give you a little analogy that will kind of hopefully explain to you. There's a Back in the golden era of, of aviation, general aviation, I'm a pilot, so I'm going to give you a, a story about um, kind of a pilot story. 
back in after World War II, the economy was starting to pick up and go well, and everybody started flying these general aviation airplanes, these Cessnas, and and you know they had these production planes coming out, and they were fairly affordable, and. Normal people like you and I, I, I have my pilot's license. I love to fly. And, and there was a lot of people that were getting into flying airplanes. They were training on like these Cessna 150s and 172s and fairly stable, slow, safe aircraft to, to learn to fly on. And then manufacturers started to produce more complex and faster airplanes. And, and they started to, because, you know, there was all these pilots and they had the economy was going great and they had some money, they started buying these bigger and faster airplanes. And they weren't really qualified necessarily. They, I shouldn't say they weren't qualified. They were qualified. They had their license. They had hours. They, could, they were qualified to fly it. What they failed to realize, and there's one particular airplane, um, the Beach 35 Bonanza. It was a Beechcraft uh, Bonanza 35A, and it was a V-tail airplane. It was a really sleek, new design, flew a lot faster than a lot of the planes that they had trained on, and they started naming these planes the Doctor Killers because as long as you had the money to buy one, you could get a plane, you were licensed to fly it, and a lot of a lot of doctors, and, and not doctors, they called them the Doctor Killers because they wanted, they, they were tagging like anybody with the means, anybody with the money could go buy that plane. And what they were, the point of it is, is they were just because they, because they could get into it, just because they could buy it, they thought that they were an expert in it because they flew these smaller, slower planes. And what happens is, in plane, there's a lot of things going on. You have to, all this situational awareness. You've got, you've got air traffic control. You've got, you know, the plane, the environment, the weather. You've got people in your back seat squawking at you and talking and telling you to look out the window and check all this stuff out. There's all these different things going on. And what happens is, when you were used to flying slower. The plane didn't get ahead of you. There's a term saying that those faster planes would get ahead of the pilot and it would lead to disaster. What that meant was, is even though the pilot was skilled enough to make those decisions and skilled enough to fly that airplane, it got ahead of them. And before, um, in many cases, it was too late. That plane got ahead of them and it led to disaster because they weren't able to do all the things they needed to do while that plane was still flying and while the conditions and the environment and everything was changing. Well, the same is true right now with short-term rentals, or really any other investment that goes through these changes in cycles. And there's a lot of things that go on, a lot of things you have to pay attention to have success with short-term rentals. And a lot of people got in and they've ridden this wave in. They've ridden, you know, the market, the the demand, everything has, has made them look like geniuses. And now all of a sudden they think, okay, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. And as that wave starts to go out, you're gonna start to see some of those people that are gonna struggle. Does that mean that the golden age of short-term rentals and that short-term rentals are not a viable asset class? Absolutely not. Look in the mirror and say, did I actually understand this asset class? If you don't understand it, start to understand it. There's three major phases that you hear me talk about all the time. The acquisition phase, and that's all about understanding what your property goals are, what you're trying to do with, with your properties, with your portfolio how to underwrite the deals, how to analyze markets, how to analyze properties, so that you know what the numbers look like in good, bad, and ugly, right? We always analyze markets in, in three different scenarios. And so we're looking at this conservative underwriting approach. Then we have to go to the, the setup phase. And the setup phase is all about getting the property put together to deliver a unique experience, figure out who your target audience is, how you're going to compete in the market, what are all the profit drivers, what are you gonna focus on, what are you gonna to deliver to your clients, how are you gonna stand out in this crowded marketplace? And then, and then when it's once, and part of that setup phase is once you've got that, 
How are you going to manage it and deliver that to your guests? So what what is the operational logistics look like now to deliver that experience, deliver that and make sure that your, you know, your communication platforms and your all those platforms and and your your payment platforms and having somebody on, you know, your boots on the ground for your cleaning and your turnovers and everything else, all of that during that setup and management phase getting in place. Then that third phase is the marketing phase. How are you going to articulate that great, unique property and experience that you have? How are you going to articulate that to the marketplace so that they actually hear you and see you and recognize you and then all of a sudden raise their hand and say, hey, I want to book. So there's these three major phases. Well, what a lot of people have done is they've gone out One, they didn't understand their numbers. And so some of them are going to struggle as the market shifts down a little bit. They underwrite these deals, maybe at 80, 90% occupancy. And really the the historical average is maybe 60 or 70%. Well, if you drop 20 or 10, 20, 30% in occupancy, that's going to affect your numbers. You may not have bought the property correctly. You may be losing money on your investment. And on, as far as a cash flow perspective goes, so that could be one problem. Are there people that are calling me right now? To like, I'm, I'm recording this very first of June. Man, John, I've owned this property. I was doing great. The markets are completely shifting. I don't know what to do because my occupancy was way down from what it was in 2021, in 2022. And we're like, okay, what did it drop to? Let's look at all the reasons it could have dropped. There's a lot of lot of factors here, but they really just dropped down to normal levels and they didn't underwrite it correctly and they can't sustain those normal levels of occupancy. So they, one, they missed on the acquisition and then they didn't realize they missed for the first year or two because the market has kind of bailed them out. You know, most of these people have made great money on their property so they could just sell it and make that, you know, make a nice um, lift as far as appreciation goes. Most of these people aren't upside down um, they bought in the last couple of years, but they might not be buying an, the asset is not going to produce the way that they think it is. There's a lot of people right now, they're saying, okay, now that my fair share of the market, my piece of the pie, because there's so many people playing this game and so many more people in this marketplace, my my fair share of the market is that pe- my piece is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so now it doesn't look like as great of an investment. Well, in any market, in any business that is not skewed where the market is bailing you out and skewed with a supply and demand, um, you know, supply and demand will always even themselves out. They're, they're going to. In free markets, they're going to even themselves out because if the demand is high, the opportunity seekers are going to go buy and they're going to bring that supply up to where that demand equals out. Once the demand equals out, though, it's our job to figure out how to get our unfair share because our that's what we want as business owners. That's what we want as short-term rental hosts, that we want our unfair share of guests, right? Well, the only way to do that is to understand how to deliver a unique experience, who your target audience is, how are you going to market it and articulate that, what exactly what you have to an audience so that they'll raise their hand and say, yes, Sean, I like your property. Those are the things that it takes to succeed in the game. Those are always the things that it's taken to succeed in the game. I was just talking to our membership group and the our current course, I'm, I'm um, I'm doing a big uplift and a big update of it right now, and it's about to roll out. But the content's the exact same. All we're doing in Uplift is, this was written three or four years ago, the only Uplift we're really doing is for looks because the business plan, the philosophy hasn't changed. We never said, okay, we're just going to go take advantage of this market. Now, some of the short-term strategies, some of the short-term tactics that we've talked about, those things do change. 
You know, when I said, listen, your occupancy is so high in some of these areas, you can charge, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30% more than the competition and your property is going to book. It might be the last one to book, but it's going to book because a lot of these markets the last couple of years were operating, especially during the peak seasons, close to 100% occupied, the, the markets were. If there was 100 homes on the market on July 4th, the last couple of years, all 100 of them were booked and people want. So you can raise your prices and play that game. Well, that's not, that's a short-term strategy where you can't just push your prices with no real reason to push them when in, in a market where if on 4th of July this year, only 70% of the properties are booked, that tactic and that strategy doesn't work. That's a short-term tactic. But your overall long-term strategy should be the same. And it should have all the major components in the acquisition setup management phase and the marketing phase. And so is the game over? No, it's not over. I've been through two major cycles in my time as, a, as an investor in real estate. I went through the dot-com crash in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then the big housing crash in 2008. When every single shift is different and every single shift is, you know, I think we've got this shift, I think is going to be way different than the rest. I think this is going to be more of a level off and a correction, which is healthy for markets. That's one thing that um, people don't realize. You shouldn't be afraid of a shift if you understand the game you're playing because honestly, the best opportunities are available during those shifts. And so if you understand the game, you're kind of excited about these shifts. We want to see the markets going and then cycling through. Is the short-term rental game right for everybody? Heck no. We've never said it's right for everybody. We've never said everybody should be doing this. One of the very first questions we ask why we're invitation only inside of our group our interview questions that we ask you is, why are you getting into this? What are your property goals? You know, what is the reason you're attracted to short-term rentals? Because we want to know if short-term rentals are actually going to be an asset that's going to help you meet those goals. And, and so that's exactly where we start. So I'm not trying to say that short-term rentals are for everybody. There's going to be a lot of people who they weren't right for, who dove into the game, who are going to be retracting and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to sell. Luckily for them, they're still probably made pretty good money on their properties because properties have been appreciating significantly the last few years. And so they're not going to get bit. They're not going to get hurt, but there could be some stresses. There could be some things that they don't like about the game and they don't understand about it. They don't want to spend the time to understand it. So they're probably going to retract. Good news for us. Some of the inventory, some of the supply comes out off the market. The, the other good news is we might be able to pick up some good opportunities. So if you are in the game, Understand the game, dive into the game, understand exactly what you need to do to stand out in these crowded marketplaces because they're not going to get less crowded because the demand is there. As long as the demand is there, there will be people serving the demand. And so the, the demand is not going away. We just have had a lot more people get into the game. And so the supply has gone up. So it feels like the game is the game's changed a little bit. Has it changed? Yes. Is it always going to change? Yes. So understand how to play it and understand how to play in a changing environment when the environment is changing. Don't let the market get ahead of you. Stay up to speed on what you should be doing to operate in this business. So guys, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. It's a question I'm getting a lot. And something uh, as a reminder that, hey, sometimes we have a tendency to give ourselves maybe more credit than we deserve when markets are really in our favor. And a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough credit when things are going bad to look in the mirror and say, what can I do to change it? There are always things you can do to operate in any market successfully 
with short-term rentals with any real asset class. And so understand what it takes to operate successfully in a shifting market. Because do we have a shift coming? Yes, I believe we do. Do we know what that shift's going to look like? No, we don't. We don't know exactly. But we understand the game we're playing. And so we feel very confident going into these shifts that there's going to be opportunities and there's going to be things that we can do. Doesn't mean everybody's going to come out of the shift looking the same, right? Doesn't mean everybody's going to come out, you know, either making money or losing money. There's going to be both sides of that when, when things start shifting around a little bit. So look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. The answers are between you and you. You don't have to answer anybody else. So if the answer is between you and you, make sure you're honest with yourself and say, hey, what do I need to do to sharpen the ax? What do I need to do to hone my skills so that I'm ready for this shift? And if you're not willing to do it, maybe consider that you got into a game that you probably maybe shouldn't be playing, but maybe it was good for you during the ride. Maybe you just wanted to ride the wave, but that wave is going out. So the ride is over, the game's not over. So guys, that's all I've got for you today. So as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for spending your time with me. I know it's valuable. We always try to come with you each week with some a different perspective. I've got a lot of different interviews lined up in the very near future. We've got our big live event for our members only coming up this next week. So I've been kind of putting off the interviews until that's over. But we've got some uh, some amazing stories, some amazing interviews. I've got some great economists coming on to talk more about the market. So I'm excited about that. So guys, as always, go make it a great day and pick one thing that you can do today to go start building that life that you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey, Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodice.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.